0: This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church Podcast. For more information about us, who we are, or how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org.
1: Loving Lord Jesus, as we journey with you in this Lenten season, uh, we pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would guide us, uh, direct us, and uh, lead us into those places you would have us to go. We pray it in your name, amen. Okay. How's everybody? All right, <clears throat> last week, oh, remember what we did last week? When we talk, where did we go with Jesus? Baptism. Bah, someone remembered. <laughs> that is great, yeah, baptism. So, and that was, we said was kind of the inauguration of Jesus, it was the very beginning of his earthly ministry if you will, need one more? Yep. All right, Here. they're cheap, we'll get you one. There you go. So today we're going to go to the very next stop in Jesus' ministry, which was the wilderness. If you read in uh, Mark, uh, I've got um, Matthew 4, Mark has kind of a a smaller synopsis of Jesus' ministry. And Mark says, after Jesus um, was baptized, the spirit, threw him out into the wilderness, cast him out, expalo, threw him out into the wilderness. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit grabbed him by an arm and a leg as you would your little brother and spin him around and give him a toss and break his arm as I did. But (laughs) what I'm saying is uh, that it's... It really gives to us this idea that Jesus coming into the world in Bethlehem was such a quiet, almost a restful kind of peaceful thing, isn't it? I want you to close your eyes for a second. This is always a danger for clergy because you don't know how deeply this will affect people. But if you close your eyes and you think of like that, Uh, A late service on Christmas Eve and silent night and the lights are dimmed. And it's just uh, people, even the people near you start harmonizing. It's just Jesus comes into a world that's so peaceful. All right. Now you get to open your eyes to the reality of Jesus coming into the world, which is this perfect God comes into this imperfect world, a world that he loves and wants to save and is going to be treated harshly and rejected. I think this is the concept of being thrust, cast out into this wilderness. So, are you ready? Before we start, what questions do you have? Even before we start, what questions? And, Wilderness could be—is that interpreted as the people? Okay, let's. Yeah, that's a good, good question. How do we in, interpret the word wilderness? And the word wilderness here, I think, uh, literally means a, a place that is less than populated, right? So it's not populated. It's not a, It's not a place where you're going to dig down your roots. Okay. If we look at it figuratively, oh yeah, we are wild people, and it's like wildness that Jesus comes into, so good introduction. Anyone else? Anything? Only one question. That's a record. Okay, here we go. Um, let's just read through Mark chapter... I'm sorry, Matthew 4, those first 11 verses, and you you've know this already. As a matter of fact, you can still remember your Sunday school lessons, right? Those little papers, and it showed Jesus out there. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Well, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Okay. All right, little introduction. Uh, We talked about Jesus being thrown into his mission. We talked about that all all right. Uh, What is the true heart of? of the devil's attack. What's the devil really trying to do? Is he trying to see if Jesus can make like bread that's better than Panera? Is he trying to see if Jesus uh, really would be rescued by angels? What's, he, what's his intent? What's the bottom line of the devil's temptations? And you will find uh, that the devil tempts Jesus, not just here, but throughout his earthly pilgrimage.
0: The devil wants the Lord Jesus to be beneath the devil, subservient.
1: Yeah. So I want to be in charge. This is what the devil wanted when he got booted the first time, wasn't it? I think I should be in charge. And the only way for the devil to ultimately have the final say in everything is if Jesus doesn't get to the cross. If we can keep Jesus from going to the cross, I'm in charge. So all through Jesus' ministry, you'll find that he was constantly uh, being attacked with the temptation to stay away from the cross. So our uh, sermon series on the weekends, The Temptations of Christ, is uh, gonna look at the number of times that Jesus was tempted. Three of them here, but man, do you remember when Jesus said, who do the people say I am? Oh, you know, you're Elijah, one of the prophets come back. How about you? Oh, Peter says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Boy, blessed are you, Peter, son of Jonah, for this was revealed to you, not by flesh and blood, right, but by the spirit. And then Jesus says, and you know why I came? So that I could go to the Jerusalem and be rejected and suffer and die and rise again. And Peter says, no, I, won't. I never let that happen to you. And, and he went from like the A student to the dunce. Because what was Jesus' comment to him? Get behind me, Satan. Wow. Wow that later on we're gonna find uh, Jesus um, is healing people and the next day they can't find Jesus. Where's Jesus? There he is, he's out there praying. Oh, Jesus, come on, everyone's looking for you. They love you. You could stay here and be like the king and we'd have a a great meal program and we'd have a good healthcare program. Uh, Unfortunately, you'd put the mortician out of business because you just keep bringing people back from the dead. And what does Jesus say? No, I've got other towns and villages I have to go to. Or even on the cross. What was the, the deal? And, and, and this is beautiful bookends. The beginning of Jesus' ministry, did you notice all three of these particular um, temptations begin with the words, if you are the Son of God. The very end of his ministry, <laughs> and he's on the cross, If you are the Son of God, come down. Now again, if it was me, I'd be down in a flash. But not Jesus. He withstands the temptation. So all these temptations are for the devil to be able to be numero uno by having Jesus step back from his mission. So Jesus is actually representing Old Testament Israel and us. (laughs) Where did the israelites go after their red sea crossing into the wilderness we talked about this last week didn't we that our water crossing is baptism just like jesus did and we're out in the wilderness we call the world so a little way of introduction all right any questions so far so yeah going back to uh into the wilderness with yep Israel, what was the real purpose of that? To test them, to strengthen them, to um, get them ready for the next step? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's twofold. Uh, number one, if you remember, Israel was supposed to go right from Egypt to the Promised Land. Remember, they made that little trek and they were supposed to send 12 spies into the land. And so they send the spies into the land and they came back and uh, 10 of the 12 said, uh, this probably isn't a good idea to go in there because these people are strong. They have well-fortified cities. They have grapes like the size of your noggin. Do you remember those Sunday school pictures? I still in my mind see in the Sunday school picture the spies looking at these people with a cluster of grapes being held by a big pole. Two guys are walking. It was like, oh man, you could carve that grape for Halloween. Uh, So two of them said, no, we should go in. The other 10 prevailed. And the children of Israel said, we don't want to go in. And God said, "Okay, that's fine. Hang around for 40 years. And when this generation is gone, the next can enter. But in the meantime, uh, while they're wandering in that wilderness, they're taught to rely on the Lord again. Because when they got to the promised land, they forgot all about the strength of God and only looked at the strength of of the, uh, of the people in the promised land. So I, uh, twofold. Number one, <laughs> you don't deserve to go in because you didn't trust me. But number two, the next generation, I'm going to train to trust me. And they have all of these different episodes where they lack faith, they have faith, they lack faith, they have faith. Yeah, Good. Other There was another hand up, I think. Was there? My imagination?
0: So maybe we hit this in the last question, but and, so, and they attended him.
1: What's that? Yeah. The angels were there and they attended Jesus. I wonder if they brought him a meal. You know what I mean? I, I you know, I, and, I, and I think going... Th- Going through the temptations, I think it's easy for us to see Jesus standing there just, you know, ripping off some Bible passages. Nope, nope, not going to happen. I, there was some pressure there. I really think there was some pressure. And I, I think the devil's saying to him, you know, you've got, you got three rough years coming, ending with a crucifixion. Did the devil know the plan to have
0: Jesus crucified for him to forgive our sins?
1: No. Yeah. You know, that's, that's always a good question. He may not have known the exact plan, but he knew the plan was, he was down here for, for the reason of salvation. If I can get him out of here, if I can get him out of here. I think, I think by the time Gethsemane comes, the devil knows exactly what's gonna happen. And so he's really putting press. Anybody see the movie The Passion of the Christ? Yeah. The the Garden of Gethsemane scene is just wonderfully put together where that snake is going and remember what Jesus does? Steps on his head. Just beautiful illustration of Genesis 3:15. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think about what uh Jesus could have said to Satan, you're going to take a little trip one of these days at the end of the world. Yeah. You're going to go into that burning. The abyss.
1: Yeah. 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 Sulfur. That's That's the diffuser in hell is sulfur. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Not a good thing. All right. Fighting the real enemy. Uh, Jesus as a Davidic king. So if we look through uh, the scriptures, If this works, there we go. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So when David, David was uh, not the oldest son, was he? In in this culture, uh, whether it's among the Hebrews or uh, the the other uh, ancient people, Uh, it it was a very much a patriarchal culture and it was also a culture where son numeral uno was numeral uno I keep reminding my brothers of this (laughs) however my brothers also remind me that if you go through the scriptures very rarely does numeral uno come out too well right I mean, Jacob and Esau. You've got David who's the runt of the litter. Um, so the children of Israel have, have this Davidic king. As years go on, th- they're waiting for a guy just like David to come back. David was, was seen as a king and a prophet and a warrior. And this is by the time Jesus comes on the scene, that's exactly what the children of Israel, the Hebrew people were waiting for. Let's get rid of the Romans and then everything will be okay. So fill in the blank for our culture. Just get rid of the blank and everything will be okay. What's in the blank? Inflation's in the blank. If we just get, rid of inflation what else if we just get rid of gas prices yeah oh you know what you can do this if we just get rid of put any president you want in there (laughs) it'll be okay yeah or party or philosophy right if we just get rid of it it'll be okay and and Jesus is coming in the way that David came, but not in the way that David would later rule. So he's anointed and the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. Jesus is baptized and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. When Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were open to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and uh, coming to rest on him. Do you see why people were kind of thinking this Jesus was gonna be of the Davidic form? That he was gonna be this messianic king? Um, and he is, a, he is a warrior, but what is Jesus battling? Satan. Satan, what else? Some society, sin, grave, death hell yeah John himself as true man that's a big battle that's going on yeah so uh, Jesus is doing battle and and I think we got to remember where our battle is I think it's easy for us to forget what the battle is I think I need new batteries my battle is with this thing since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast to our confession our battle is staying strong in faith that's the battle and a lot of times we look at the battle as conquering the people who aren't like us or don't have the same faith as us and really well our number one job is to stay in the faith That's it. Children of Israel, they had troubles. Boy, they were off worshiping Baal. They had their Asherah poles that they were worshiping. How easy is that? Today we have uh, Christianity, that's trying to to be more like the culture rather than having the culture be more like the church. So these these are challenges. And I think number one, first and foremost, our battle is Stay in the faith. Stay in the faith. Well, what? We're all kind of tempted, too. Aren't we tested, tempted? Yep. Yep, I was just going to ask, why is it hard sometimes to hold fast our confession? Why, why can that be so difficult? Number one, we're sinners, which causes us to maybe think too much on worldly things. worry more about judging others than keeping an eye on ourselves, Barb? Other people are telling us things. Yeah, other people are telling us how we should live, right? Or talking about our insensitivity or our intolerance. And we can live out our Christian faith without being people who are attacking, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, it, it, we, we're always always concerned that we're not going to be able to uh, proper, properly present our faith. Yeah, you know, sometimes we get worried. Maybe I don't know enough, right? Or I'll say the wrong thing. I, I love what Jesus said. You know, in those days when people, you know, put the press on you and they talk to you, don't worry about what you're going to say. Holy Spirit will move you. You ever had one of those situations where... You got done and it was like, ooh, I don't know. I remember we had a, we had a Life Sunday um, worship and, you know, we talked about sanctity of life and all this and someone came into my office and said, I'm really upset with you. Why would you preach on a political uh, item? You should not have any politics in the church. And I said, well, I don't think this is a political item. I think... I think Politics shouldn't be messing with theology. <laughs> this is a theological item. Well, I, uh, she went on and on about, I think this is inappropriate, you're judging people. And, and I have no clue why I said it. And, and it, it just came out of my mouth. And I just said, can you tell me when you had your abortion? And she broke down and cried. Yeah, I don't know why, I, I wouldn't have said that on my own at all. But I think there are times when God says, yeah, when it comes time for, holding on to your confession, I'm the guy who does that for you. Yeah. You know, Luther talks about, I believe I cannot by my own reason or strength, you know, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified, and keeps me in the one true faith, and keeps me in the one true faith. Right, word and sacrament. This is why being in the word, being in worship is so very important. It's one of the ways that we hold fast to our confession. How many times don't you open the Bible and find Jesus is praying? My goodness, if Jesus needed to pray, I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah. So um, Hebrew is pretty explicit on that. Um, So, well, let's look at these temptations. Well, the first one was, boy, you must be hungry. Why not turn some of the stones to bread? I've said it before, if you've ever been to the Holy Land and if Jesus would have changed all the stones to bread, it would have been an amazing, amazing bakery because that place is nothing but stones. Um, The temptation is this, don't trust God. Don't trust God. And for Jesus, are you sure you want to trust the Father's plan for salvation? Because it seems to be a difficult one. So uh, Jesus quotes from uh, the scriptures a lot. Uh, Look at Deuteronomy 8. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now Italians know man does not live by bread alone. You need cheese and grapes and wine to go along with it. Again, Jesus becomes the image of Israel and, and us. So kind of an answer to your question there, Bill, right? Testing you to know what's in your heart. This is why you're out there for these 40 years. You're going to follow him or are you not going to follow him? And, and, and he humbled you and, and let you hunger. And then he fed you with manna. That's a great word. Manna is the Hebrew word. And, and the literal translation is... What is it? That's what it means. What is it? They saw this stuff fall down. What it manna, really, what is it? It, Which you did not know. You had no clue what this stuff is because it never existed. God brings it to you. This is the idea that we rely on God for all situations. The first temptation is a physical one. You're hurting, you're hungry. you got to do something about this. You need to do this. So man does not live on bread alone. Is bread important? Of course it is. You bet it is. This is why Jesus called himself the bread from heaven. God cares about body and soul. The more important is the soul. Right? Yeah. This is why, you know, when we do mission work, We care for both body and soul. The book of James, you know, if if you've got a brother who's hurting, you know, what are you gonna say? Oh, hey, keep you in my prayers, adios. Have fun starving to death. Um, It's about action too. So if we bring bread to the starving, we can share that and Jesus. If we just come in and say, oh, just trust in Jesus and walk away, that leaves a challenge. All right, I'm going off on what's that it leaves more pain pain. yeah yeah right Uh, my next my next point on that we have a hungry jesus we have a hungry israel and we should be hungry
0: so when jesus was fasting was what was he eating just
1: bread it actually says he ate nothing luke luke emphasizes he ate nothing 40 days. There's a lot of people who will read this and say, well, now it's very obvious that the gospels are just a story because I don't know about you, but if you and I go for 40 days without food, we die, right? Yeah. Uh, I think we need to remember Jesus a little bit more than who we are, right? But that's a great, thanks for bringing that up. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a starving Jesus. This is a hungry Jesus. This is a hurting Jesus. And, and he's weaker. His state during this time of, of temptation is far more challenging than we have ever faced than ever will face. Yeah. I love how weak
0: we are. We go
1: to the grocery store when we're a little hungry and we want to buy everything. Oh, I know. Exactly. Well, I get done with dinner about 5.30 and about a quarter to six, my wife will say, Seriously? <laughs> I eat a seven course meal. Uh, We've got salad, uh, then we have our dinner, and then we have dessert, and then there's chips and Oreos.
0: (coughs) Jesus started with the miracles of the bread, feeding.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so when we get into John chapter 6, and then also Mark, there's a feeding of the 5,000, there's a feeding of the 4,000. This all ties together so well. You know, the manna that God brings, the the temptation of turning stones into bread, the feeding of the 5,000, and then after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. I'm the manna, which... Really fits well because as Jesus is doing his ministry, the question is always asked, "Who is this? Who is this guy?" That even the more people came, and then the more every time more Jesus people sweat, came.
0: Then they wanted food.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, right? They followed him because they thought he's got some good meals. Yeah. yeah, and we can eat to the full. Yeah. Um, so Jesus is hungry. Israel was hungry and we are hungry. When you get into the next chapters of Matthew, we get Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. The hunger that we're supposed to have is a hunger for the real righteousness. So Jesus is gonna confront two kinds of people. And in his ministry and in his parables, you're going to continuously find there's the self-righteous and the self-loathing, if you will. The people who feel I'm so good, my goodness, if I'm not in heaven, God's going to be missing something. And then there are the people who are very self-loathing, I am no good, right? Uh, Mayor Bloomberg, when he left office, um, he said after he had worked on crime in the streets and, and uh, drug abuse and obesity, he had done so much for the city uh, that um, when he goes to heaven there's gonna be no interview, he's going right in. So we have parables about, uh, you know, the Pharisee and the tax collector or the older brother and the younger brother. And all through the scriptures, Jesus, there's no in-between here. For Jesus, there's, there's just one or the other. There's the, the self-righteous or the people who know they are not righteous. Okay, this is bad enough to have kids, and I got kids and a dog. <laughs> 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 That's Sam's dog, Bella. That's a nice dog. All right. Don't let word get out that I think it's a nice dog. So, um, so th- we are supposed to have this, this emptiness. And, and I want you to think of this. Our temptation is how are we filling our hunger? You and I naturally hunger for fulfillment in life. And the question is, what are, we, what are we looking to? What stones in this world are we trying to turn into situations of satisfaction and purpose and meaning? That's what this world is about. All kinds of earthly pleasures, whether that's in the form of finances or sensuality or possessions or power, or positions, kind of like, Uh, this last weekend's message. What is it that we're trying to fill uh, this empty void? And so Jesus is encouraged to use his own power at this particular point to think about himself first. Do we ever think of ourselves first? Comes natural, doesn't it? One of the most challenging places in any Christian church is the the parents' room with the toys. You put three two-year-olds in that cry room with all of those toys, and the word mine is heard over and over and over again. Mine. And, and it's just naturally who we are because of our sinful condition. It's... Um, Jesus here is showing Satan and the rest of us you know you got to trust in in the Heavenly Father Um, and then on the last how are we like Israel the last bullet point on that page how are we like Israel Heidi first of all we happen to be in the wilderness and we look at this life as oftentimes as the end all be all that this is it this is we got it made and we are definitely going to somehow some way make sure that um, that when we when we feel emptied we're going to fill ourselves with whatever it is we think is is going to um, make us stronger wiser healthier first foremost I think that's I think that's it. What else how else are we like israel bonnie
0: Um, i can't remember the words you just said two seconds ago that made me think of (laughs) them
1: i can guarantee you
0: (laughs) but no because i can
1: guarantee you i will not remember them either
0: well that's it's my memory but um, it made me just think of the word discontentment how we're mm. trying to fill that space with, and like you that's what you were talking about.
1: Yeah, I think, I think uh, we tried to fill the void with whatever it is that's out there. Israel, their deal was they tried to fill the void with, um, with false gods. That was the number one thing. Oh, look at this cute group walking by. I gotta tell you, isn't that, isn't that fun? Amy's got the best job in the, in the building. The unfortunate thing is those kittens grow up to be cats. So. Well, the thing about Israel to me is that um, they would uh, they would rejoice when God would save them, yeah. and then they'd get fat and happy and they'd forget
0: about it and they totally got trouble.
1: Yeah, there's a, so uh, like a like, yeah, there's a cyclical thing that goes on. And if you find Israel, they're happy with God. And then they get influenced by the culture and they move over to false gods. And then because they've moved away from God, things don't go well for them. And then they cry out for God and God sends a, a redeemer. And, and then they rejoice, how great is God. And they celebrate him until uh, once again, they are indulging the culture. And it's, it's very cyclical, but that's my life my life is cyclical i am the same way and isn't it neat that we don't have a god who says all right uh, this has happened seven times I, you've used your limit we just keep going on back yeah I, I always find it interesting that god just didn't wipe them out which of course i would have but he <laughs> keeps a remnant every time that cycle goes through he he keeps a remnant there always is a remnant. There's eight people on a boat, right? There's uh, the people who are in the wilderness and they're snake bit. Some get to look on the, on the, on the bronze serpent and, and they're okay. Uh, There's a group that gets to go over the Jordan and settle into the Promised Land. Uh, The Northern Kingdom is wiped out. The Southern Kingdom is taken off into captivity. There's still something there. There's always something there. Jim.
0: Well, Noah and the ark and uh, the whole flood. Uh, You go back and look at why there was a flood because God spilled a lot of his life
1: they were so far away
0: from God God said I can take it no more
1: yeah and that's the great front. yeah um, the stench of humanity filled his nostrils yeah. wow or uh, Bill Moses talking to God and God says you know what I've had it Moses I'm gonna wipe them all out and I'm gonna start over with you remember that and Moses says, No, 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 don't do that because the rest of the world's going to say, He brought him out of Egypt just to kill him in the wilderness. Yeah. So I, I think even for us, is the, the understanding that God continues to feed us, even when we don't deserve it. Mary. Exactly, so we're like Israel in that we're waiting for something. We're waiting for the promised land. We're waiting for the the delivery of the Messiah. And, And we're doing it in a very difficult culture. Every culture's been difficult. Every single culture. You know, we can talk about the good old days. Remember the 50s? Everybody got dressed to go to church. Everybody went to Sunday school. They had white shirts, shiny shoes, pleated dresses and everybody sat in church, nobody ever made a peep. They sang in harmony, and the sermons, even though they were 40 minutes long, they seemed to go by in the flash of an eye. I like James. They didn't, did they?
0: I like James on that one. You go to church on Sunday, you know what he would ask you? What did you do on Monday?
1: Yeah, yeah, how was your week?
0: You can go to church and you can hear, but what do you do with what you hear? And and, uh, I just did a real personal study of James. My name is James, but nothing like James from the Bible. But I just looked at that, James, what did he do? And I, I was even gonna tell Pastor, I said, You're gonna come to James sometime? Just because you go to the church on Sunday, yeah. and James was one of the leaders of the church mm-hmm. in Selma. And well and anybody here ever swear? If you were in James Church, you were kicked out. He kicked out, anybody how can, and, and, and James says, how can you go on Sunday and sing hymns of praise, and then on uh, Monday, what do you do? And then, uh, in fact, James says, uh, take the word tomorrow off of your,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, wipe it out. Yeah. But you've gotta do something with what you're hearing.
1: Yeah, James Tosco talks about being in the here and now. Yeah, No. Yeah. On the other side, I got a bullet point. What ways do we fall into temptation? By using our own powers. So Heavenly Father has moved Jesus into the wilderness and he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil says, all right, your Heavenly Father put you here. You got the power. Turn some stones into bread. You don't have to be starving like this. We are in situations, we are in this world. In what ways are we tempted to use our powers to overcome challenges rather than rely on the Lord? We plan. Yeah, we have our plans, don't we? Well, we can go back to James, right? You make your plans. You say on this day I'm going to do this. On that day I'm going to do that. And you have no clue. Luther said, if you want to make God laugh, just give him your plans for the day. Yeah, yeah. I get my own plans.
0: Back to a previous comment about the word mind. Who even teaches little kids the word mind at that age? Is that like original sin? We're just born with that word in?
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm you know. Ne- Trying
0: to think, where do they first hear it?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's. I think that's. That's the result of original sin. You never, you never have to teach a kid to say, buy me, give me, I want, I need, mine. But you do have to say, say thank you, share. Yeah, because there's this innate, I'm here for number one. I'm sure they could never hear it from their parents. Oh, no, parents would never ever do anything like, not anyway, not parents like you or me. <laughs> we would never do that. Yeah. You know, sometimes we try to take matters into our own hands. There's a a belief among some that Judas actually did not turn Jesus in just for the money. The idea was if I get Jesus backed into a corner, he's going to have to unleash his power and really come out like the Messiah we've been hoping for. Taking matters into your own hands gets to be a little bit of a challenge at times, doesn't it? Have you ever noticed it's very difficult to figure out, am I trying to take matters into my own hands or is God moving me to do this? Isn't it? Isn't that where the the crux of the problem is, is is this really what God wants me to do? I think, you know. I was talking to a a friend who has a call, I don't know which one God wants me to do. I said, if your commitment is to honor God and serve his people, he'll bless you no matter where you go, whatever call you take, you will be blessed. The key is, how will this benefit the kingdom rather than how does this benefit me? Which again, (laughs) My sin is about how does this benefit me? Yeah, it's a challenge.
0: It's giving up the need to feel that we're in control.
1: Boy, oh, that, how do you do that one, right? right? Yeah, it's giving up the need that I think I have to be in control. You know? There's a reason Jesus taught us to pray, Thy will be done, and he added the words what? On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. We have no problem letting Jesus take care of heaven. It's earth we have a problem with. And I think what Jesus is saying is, hey, you know what? If I got heaven, I think I can take care of you guys down there too.
0: But isn't that almost sort of a fine line, like when you talk about your friend who's trying to decipher on a call? It's like you want to give control to God, but you're kind of like... But I kind of think I want to do this. And then you feel like you want to control it. But it's such a fine line. Sometimes. It
1: is. It is. And I think sometimes it's, it's getting out of yourself and trying, trying to see what God's saying around you. What's God saying around you? You know, what, how's God talking to you through other people? And um, then
0: knowing if you've really... Given up control
1: when you do make your decision. Yeah, and we're never going to get to a point where we are perfectly approaching anything, because we're not perfect. But I do think, if you look at King David, his moments of troubles was all about himself, you know, the whole Bathsheba thing, and um, that's why I love that line in the scriptures. "In the spring, when kings went off to war, what was David doing? staying back home, watching ladies take baths. That's a problem, right? Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, he's, he should have been where, and that would have been, a, hey God, where do you want me? Should be with your soldiers. So,
0: I, and I don't know what thing, but you know they passed lots to pick a new disciple, right? Yes, like, no, yep, no, yep.
1: They, it wasn't lots, it was like. Well, animals. it was, yeah, they, they kind of had stones and yeah.
0: So, I read That that really didn't happen, but I mean, sometimes it's like, well, I don't know, but however that's going to happen, then I'll follow that because that's what God made those things flip.
1: Yeah, I I uh, know of a church that they were calling a pastor, and they couldn't decide on these two guys. Absolutely, it was half and half, and. Finally, someone said, well, why don't we put both of their names into a hat and let the, the congregation chairman pull a name out? And they did. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it turned out to be a pretty good fit. Yep. Um, and I recognize it and it's just that it's painful going through it because you write so yeah. it so it's right knowledge. But you you don't have that knowledge that no. he's Right. And if I do really mess it up he's gonna be there. He's there. Pick sure. me up, forgives me, gets me moving in the right direction. Yeah. You know, I suppose Jesus could have thought, well, the heavenly father put me out here and uh, I'm really hungry and you know, I really can't do my work unless I got strength. And I do have the power to change a couple of those stones into, um, you know, a nice Kaiser roll. And uh, because here's what happens. We so easily can rationalize our way into something that we want, right? And that's the difficulty, is trying to figure out what's, what's me rationalizing and what's God directing, <laughs> yeah. And, and I tell people, if you're wrestling with a decision, hey, good for you. I think that's healthy. Is it, I don't know, exercise programs, okay, I, I gotta ask you this. Did anybody ever go to that Curves place? Anybody ever? <laughs> is it? Uh, See, I want a place where I can sit and drink beer and they just like move my arms and stuff. I was like, oh, 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 that's good, that's neat. But any time we're gonna exercise, it, it, you have to exert, right? And there's this energy thing which allows us to grow. I should just have Lois explain all the physiology of all of this, stuff. am I right? If you're really going to strengthen your core or your extremities, it takes time, it takes energy, and you hurt sometimes. If you don't believe that, play with an eight-month-old on the floor for a week. It's a challenge, yeah. But it's the same with spirituality. We should be wrestling with our faith. And it's not i hear people say oh i feel so guilty because i was really wrestling with god on that really so was jacob yeah. so did moses good for you i had someone come in and say i don't know if god's happy with me i yelled at him yesterday I said, he can take it he's okay he's big boy he can take it he still loves you and i'd rather have you yelling at him than turning your back on him yeah Alright, let's look at temptation number two, and that is, hey, why don't you give God a test? You know, uh, the devil takes Jesus out into the, to the wilderness, and he takes him to, the, to Jerusalem uh, and, and to the temple. Why do you think he picked Jerusalem and the temple? There's a number of reasons we could identify. Yeah, one reason is the temple's an important place, right? This is where God is worshiped. Second reason is, that happens to be the tallest building in the neighborhood. So this is, this is gonna work better if you got a tall building. And what's, what's his, his thought? Jesus, come on up here and do what? Jump. Jump. Because you obviously have so much trust. You're trusting this God who's allowed you to have nothing for 40 days. And you're going to put your entire trust into him to care for you physically. Well, well, let's give it a real test. Jump. Would the angels come and pick him up? Of course they would. It's, It's Psalm 91. I think I got that up here. Psalm 91 11. he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So the first temptation turns stones into bread and Jesus unleashes a Bible passage. Oh man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Notice the devil also knows the Bible. Yes, He, does. he did with Adam and Eve, right? Did God say that you can't eat from Any of these trees? He'll always use the word and twist it. Always. And here's the temptation. Did God say that he would lift you up? You betcha he did. But what's the temptation in jumping? Pride. There's pride in there? Every temptation has got that element of pride, isn't it? Testing God. Testing God, yeah. The first one was, why don't you use your powers if you have them? The second one is, let's use God's power if he has it. Let's test God. Do You and I test God. Oh God, if you love me, then you will fill in the blank. Oh God, if you're all powerful, then you will, whatever it is, fill in the blank. We test God. We test and we jump off. We jump off the pinnacle of the temple, a lot. Sometimes I get the feeling It's almost like the devil saying, "Well, you're going to inherit your father's business here anyway. Why don't we just kind of speed this whole thing up?" Yeah, there you go. Jump to the, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's just let's speed this thing up. As long as it doesn't involve a cross, we'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa. Um, As a matter of fact, let's do this, Exodus 17, children of Israel out in the wilderness, all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? why do you test the lord but the people thirsted there for water and the people grumbled against moses and said why did you bring us up out of egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst and he called the name of the place massa and meribah because of the quarreling of the people of israel and because they tested the lord by saying is the lord among us or not yeah so uh, Jesus is comparing what the devil wants him to do with the children of Israel. Jesus always kind of, always kind of mimics the children of Israel and it happens in the same place with us. We do it. Sometimes we, sometimes we don't come right out and say, if you really love me, Jesus, then you will do this. But I think sometimes it's in there, isn't it? I think it's there. We have this certain expectation of God And if he doesn't fulfill it, that's a tragedy for us. Um, Do we trust God with the little things? Do you trust God for salvation? Yeah. Yeah. So why why do we have a problem with all the little stuff? Ever think of that? I don't know about you, but sometimes I got more problem with the little stuff than I do eternal life. That's just the way it is. Last temptation. Why don't you bow down, worship me, I'll, I'll let you have all these kingdoms of the world. And the natural thought in our mind is, doesn't Jesus already have all the kingdoms of the world? Like this, this is no temptation whatsoever, when actually it is a temptation. Um, <clears throat> the goal is the world. And I might've mentioned this last week. I think what the devil's saying is, if you skip going to the cross, If you just get rid of the mission that your Heavenly Father gave you and if you and I team up with my brains and your miraculous brawn, we would be able to control this world for eternity. And what would the world in essence be? It would be hell. It would be hell. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Um, Isaiah 60, and the nation shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And Mark 16, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The temptation is make the mission shorter and easier. Don't complete it. Make it shorter and easier. The difference between a skilled labor and an unskilled labor is one wants to make it shorter and easier and ends up being sloppier and less effective. So what I find, these are the, these are the three temptations. The first one, hey, Jesus, use your own power. And the second one is, hey, hey, use God's power. Make him, make him use that power for the way that you want it. And then the third one is, use my power. The, the, the devil's saying that. Yeah.
0: We shall all be Joshua's. That's for me and my house.
1: Yes. We're serving, We're serving the Lord. Lord. Yeah. And, and it's about the necessity to follow God's will and God's way. Um, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Jesus is talking about the devil. And I think what we have to realize is the devil's already lost the game. He's just trying to win some battles. The game is already lost. Does the devil
0: need permission from God to do
1: <laughs> 67 seconds. Does the devil need permission from God to do evil? There's a couple of ways of looking at that. One way we can say is God is the God over all things, right? The second is that evil has been unleashed not because of God, but because of the devil and me. So here's the thing, uh, justice says, because of, because of your uh, disobedience, there is a, a penalty. Th- that's justice. So if I'm driving through Arlington, Wisconsin, and I'm going 41 in a 25 mile an hour, and I, the policeman pulls me over, and I just smile and say, hey, do you know I'm the chaplain of the Cedarburg Police Department? And he says, hey, that's cool. That's $169 and four points off your license because I I broke a law, and that's natural. That has to happen, right? And, And so we live with the consequences of a broken world because we walked outside of God's way. I know this about evil. God's not the cause of evil. God allows evil to go only so far, God uses all things, including evil, for good. And we will be delivered from all evil when we get to heaven. Those are the important things. So, yeah, God does put a capper on evil. Because if he didn't, this would literally be hell. And I've heard people say, oh man, I'm going to heaven because I had hell on earth with everything I've gone through. No, actually, you haven't had hell on earth because there is no such thing. There's, there's hell, and there's earth, and there's heaven. Heaven's perfect, hell is drastically imperfect, and we've got a little taste of each, don't we? Yeah, the question is, which one do we have eternally?
0: Why do they say, call him the ruler of this
1: world? Yeah, so um, the ruler of this world is cast out because uh, he has such an influence here. This is the only place. He, he has no influence in heaven anymore. So he has influence here. And when you get in the book of Revelation and you read about you know, the dragon, the beast, um, it, it, it's the influence that the devil has on both the church and the culture.
0: But I still think of... Christ as being the
1: ruler not. Yeah, he is. You know, I mentioned this last week. Luther would say even the devil is the Lord's devil. Um, so, yeah, and, and I think the idea of ruler is influence. I, I, I want you to think of this. Seven billion people on the face of the earth right now. One billion claim to be Christian. They claim it. I'm not here to judge who is or who isn't, but let's say all of them are. That's only like one out of seven people. Who's influencing the other six billion? Yeah, so I, this is what I see, it's, it's he's the influencer. Yeah, good question. 67 seconds, that was good, yeah. This is why Jesus says my kingdom's not of this world, um couldn't sleep the other day, so I got up and I'm flipping through channels. I got to one of those 24-hour news channels and in the middle of the night. They uh, had paid programming and, and one was a, a Christian uh, preacher. And his deal was, I can't wait until Jesus comes to reign on this earth for a thousand years. And he will come and set up his kingdom. And Do you not read your Bible, sir? No, it's not going to be like that at all. My, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, I'd already been ruling it. So the bottom is, uh, it is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him shall you serve, and by his name shall you swear. And swear here means to honor, and to have an oath of obedience.
0: <sighs> you guys are good. Yes. Something's tempting you. You know, you're, you're tempting. God tempts no one. Yeah, but. That's
1: Satan, Yeah. Yeah, God tempts no one, but He always has a door for you to get out, doesn't He? Yeah. Sometimes I don't like His door. Yeah. I like the temptations, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. yeah. I like when my wife's in a different room and I can get some cookies. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. I encourage her to go walk through the house every once in a while. Um, but, but yeah, the devil, the world, and our sinful nature are the three things that play against us. And it's really wonderful that we have a God who still loves us and, and calls us back in repentance, puts us in, in, into the seat of forgiveness, and then moves us forward, and then I still fall again. I don't know how he puts up with me. Just, I'm glad he does. But. Yeah, yes, I'm his painful Israel. Other thoughts, questions? We'll keep journeying next week. Is that all right? Okay. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. Have a good day, and God bless.